Welcome to this episode of Trek This Out, a Star Trek podcast. Today we're going to be discussing Star Trek Picard Season 2, Episode 6, 2 of 1. 2 for 1? 2 of 1? I've seen it written in several different ways. It's something about 2 and 1. Joining me here uh, is Andrea. Say hello, Andrea. Hello. Uh, I'm Lindsay, for those of you who don't know. Um, And tonight, or today, uh, or just this week, we are joined by the lovely Kat, who is one of our listeners. Hello, Kat. Welcome. Hello, and thank you. How are you? Yeah, I think it's good. It's nice to be at Sunday, I think. We've reached that point in the week where we can all going to go, ah. Uh, mostly because uh, Andrea is a teacher and is not in next week, or at least not in for most of next week. Um, oh, which is good. good. Makes all the difference. Um, so Kat, obviously you are new to the podcast. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Tell us a little bit about your Trek backstory um, and how you got to be here. Well, um, <laughs> how I got to be here is kind of interesting because I'm a member of the basement. So <laughs> uh, Lorca started me down this path. It's all Jason Isaac's fault. But oh, um, so true of so much. Yes, yes. Um, so I got back into Trek with Discovery, which I absolutely love. Um, so I've been in and out of fandom, or not fandom itself, but in and out of loving Star Trek since 1967. Yes, I'm old. And uh, I, I have loved it ever since, and in all its iterations, except possibly the motion picture. But that's another story. Yes. <laughs> picture now available in 4k for those of you who would like Uh, to watch it for the people who want to go lovingly over every pore of a starship yeah oh my god anyway (laughs) yeah so um yeah i uh you know i was uh very fond of uh uh the original series and then in 1987 um you know uh the next generation premiered and before that, there were newspaper articles talking about how, you know, fans, some fans had a lot of trepidation because, you know, you can't replace Spock, Kirk, and McCoy. And you just see this every time a new series comes along, you know, so I have to laugh at that. Um, and after that, then came Deep Space Nine and Major Kira and Jadzia and all those cool people and Voyager. and. Uh, then later, Enterprise, I kind of tuned, I didn't tune in for that. I wasn't watching television at the time. So that was one I, I missed. But, I think um, many of us did, which might be why <laughs> Enterprise is shorter than many other series. Yeah, it, it really is. But it, it's, it's really good. I just have a, mm, I never quite warmed to um, Captain Archer, which I know would break Rachel Kirky's heart, but uh, I'm sorry, Rachel. <laughs> all, all the more Archer for her. All the more Archer for yeah, her. That's, absolutely. Absolutely. She can have it. <laughs> it's all right. I feel that way about everybody who likes Kirk. Um, like, yeah, like, enjoy yeah. him. It's fine. Knock yourself down. Uh, yeah. No, not my favorite. Never has been. 
Yeah. Um, fabulous. Well, it is lovely to have you here, and I'm really looking forward to hearing your thoughts about Picard and particularly this episode. And um, but before we get to that, let's have some news because uh, there's quite a lot of news around, isn't there? So, Andrew, you're our official convention watch person. I feel like. Would you like to give us an overview of some of the more exciting news of this week? Um, so obviously it's, it's Mission Chicago um, this weekend, so I get to feel the way US Trekkies feel during Destination Star Trek when all of the British Trekkies are at the con, um, and this time it's me looking at all the photos going, oh, I wish I was there. Um, it looks great. Um, it looks like people are having a whale of a time. I've seen some fantastic photographs. Um, I think the Lower Decks cast are really throwing themselves into it. That they're, they're there in uniform. Um, they all look like they're having an absolute blast. Um, there, there's been some great panels, I think. There's been um, Discovery panel. There's been Strange New Worlds panel. Um, so it's all going on. It looks really exciting. And I am massively jealous that I'm not there. So, you know, um, please keep coming at us with your, your convention pictures and you know, I'll just weep into me my phone, <laughs> wishing I was part of the action. Um, but it does definitely look like good time had by all. So, um, what was nice to hear is um, if anyone's up to date with this this NFT controversy, um, which I've been trying to get my head round. Um, NFTs, it sounds like giving people money for nothing to me, so I don't really get it. I don't know why anyone would do that. Um, but apparently it's all sorts of bad. Um, and apparently that their kind of presentation was completely boycotted, um, which was it was a bit of fan action. I've seen some photographs of some fans um giving a salute, which is not Vulcan to the um the various paraphernalia relating to this. So um there's a little bit of um Trekkie protest going on. Um, which is, is always good to see. Um, I'm all for a little bit of um, peaceful protest. Um, so, yeah, it looks really, really exciting. Um, yeah. It does. And I like. I think for me, what there's a couple of things that I've been really aware of. One is that I haven't seen any chatter about things that have been poorly done or wrong, which quite often you do get when there's a convention. Because ultimately some things do go wrong or, you know, something is ridiculously priced or whatever. Um, I haven't I haven't seen much of that kind of chatter, which is good. It's always good to think. And just the volume of people who seem to have like come across people and had a really positive experience. So like either it's been like an official photo op or they've come across somebody on the floor or they're just sharing and I think that's true of the like the new the new generation of Star Trek actors and the old like the ones who are still coming to conventions who clearly don't hate the fans um and I just I like it's just lovely to see I think like even if conventions are not your thing and uh, as discussed on many occasions I I'm not a convention bunny I just love to see that everybody's having such a lovely time and like mm -hmm. having positive experiences Kat have you ever conventioned um, I went to Dragon Con in 2018, which was lovely. Um, uh, thanks to someone who put me up for the weekend. I could not possibly afford it if I had to pay for a hotel. So I was really fortunate and I got to meet Jason and I got to ask Ken Mitchell uh, for the first time. Uh, how did it feel being Jason's bitch in that movie about tennis? <laughs> So that was that was interesting. But Jason was charming and uh, I have convention stories, which I won't tell. But that was some hell of a convention, Dragon Con. <laughs> Andrea, 
I, I've got to say, just like like Kat, like she, she's playing this down a little bit here. But Cat is the first member of the basement to announce herself as a member of the basement to Jason in person. Um, and I remember it was the night before I went back to work at the end of the summer holidays. So like that's not the happiest night of my life um, at any point. Um, and I got a kind of message come through, um, and it was a photograph, an autograph um, that Jason had signed to the basement um, to all of us, uh, and it like just completely made me night. And I had no sleep, um, so I was really tired the next day. But I didn't care. Um, so, so yeah. So, Kat is the cat the, is the, the brave trailblazer who went up and said, "I'm in the basement," um, and he took it rather well. So, so yeah. So that there's the uh, there's a, a little convention link there. And just in case the the conversation wasn't incestuous enough, um, my thought as soon as you said that was, "Oh, I think I have seen maybe." 20 minutes worth of that film because I'm pretty sure Deborah fast forwarded to do the rest of it because yeah. Jason wasn't on screen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think we we shared that experience, Lindsay. Yeah, I think that was one of the, the about 15 films we managed to watch that evening because we only saw very little portions of all of them. Anyway, um, does anybody else have any other exciting news? Well, there's lots of trailers on the go, isn't there? There's lots of uh, exciting new things. Um, there's, there's another Strange New Worlds trailer. Which I think yeah. it felt better to me than the first one. Like, a lot of the content they're now releasing is getting me excited again after that last, the first trailer kind of made me go, oh, yeah. um, so that's exciting. I think the cast looks fantastic. I'm quite excited about that. And we got a Lord X trailer, didn't we? Sort of. It was oh, mostly... Not yet. Yeah. It's mostly voiceover. <laughs> but, oh, oh, yeah. Um, I haven't but, seen that one yet. I, I saw it come out on Twitter yesterday, I think. So, mm. I um, so there, there does seem to be some issue with, oh, we're releasing these things internationally, except for we're not releasing the trailer internationally. Oh, oh wait, God. Maybe we are. Maybe, maybe we're not. Oh, yeah. They're not doing fantastic work on that still, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, on behalf um, of the United States, I, I apologize from every U.S. Trek fan to our friends in the U.K. and Europe. I'm just, I'm appalled. <laughs> it is not even just us. It's, it's all over the place. It's just a bit nonsense. However, we are getting Lower Deck Season 3, I believe, are la is landing on Prime, um, which is good. Um, I believe... Um, Prodigy is about to arrive on Nickelodeon in the UK, so it's still it'll be another paid for uh, subscription um, package because I think Nickelodeon's on Sky here. I think that's the only place you can get it. Um, I could be wrong, um, but apparently the writers of Prodigy have just finished episode forty, so that's wow. quite exciting. Uh, wow! I know these are these that's things are lot, making me. That's a lot like ahead of like. Well, I think. The nature of animation, I suspect, is that the script gets done further ahead because mm. I think the actual animation time takes longer. Um, and they've already announced that we're getting another 10 episodes, which is season 1.5 or season 1 part 2. I think we're getting that quite soon. So this is presumably the end of season 2 that they've just finished. But yeah, still all very exciting. Um, so my only other piece of exciting news is that I got a parcel in the post this week from the lovely Deb, who, having campaigned, which apparently wasn't out of hate, was just out of malice, no, um, but who was campaigning uh, strongly towards everybody to get me voted red shirt. She did, in fact, actually send me an official Star Trek red shirt. I got a little comb badge on it and everything, uh, which I am wearing, Deb. Um, 
so I am the official red shirt, despite the fact that there will be no official red shirt for this episode. Uh, but thank you very much for that. I take it in the <laughs> the manner in which it was intended, which I hope is with love and affection. Otherwise, I will hunt you down. Um, excellent. Shall we have a trailer for this week's episode? Initiating nano-electronic pulse. Lights out, Agnes. Now get to work. Quick, now we can go. Thank you for the flood of endorphins, by the way. Those nasty little stress hormones were getting in my way. What's happening? This was my plan all along. Finally, the endorphins I needed. I think I'll steer the ship for a while. No, wait, I'm in control. Not anymore. first thoughts. Uh, Kat, you are our guest. Would you like to go first? What are your feelings so far about the series and about this episode in approximately five sentences? Okay. Well, um, my first question is for this season, why did they change the beautiful Picard theme for this series? It was perfect in series one. It was meditative, a lovely theme depicting someone growing still in the autumn of his years. This Series 2 adaptation is all dark drama and seems a bit by the numbers. Um, My other thoughts are, I really, I want to like this series more than I do. I love the cast, but I don't know the writing in both. um, I'm just not crazy about it. And I can't explain why that is, but you know, I love Discovery, but I like Picard. You know? 
that's allowed. That's, that's absolutely allowed. Um, so given that that is your feeling kind of coming into this episode, how are you feeling about this episode? Um, I, I felt like it was really a bit of milling about smartly, as we used to say in the Coast Guard. Um, <laughs> it, it was, it, I don't know, a lot of action, but not not much happening. Is that strange to say? No, um, I think I think that's that's fair. Okay, well, we shall we shall dig into that, and we shall find out more. Um, Andrea, I suspect your feelings might be slightly different. How did you feel about this episode? Well, I, I've been like the, the top cheerleader for this season of Picard, haven't I? And I think sort of the inverse of Cat. I felt like last season of Discovery, I kind of struggled a bit more with, whereas this season of Picard ticks more boxes for me. So, I, different strokes for different folks. Um, but I think. Um, it's not the best episode of the season. Um, it's been a really strong season. It's not that I didn't like it. Um, it was a lot of fun. There were some gigantic plot holes, I think, in there um, and a little bit of silliness. Um, so it's not my favourite episode, but it was it was still entertaining. I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah. So my feelings about this episode, it was really short. And I think that's one of the reasons why I think quite a lot of people have felt that it wasn't not much happened in it compared to some other episodes. Um, it was only 38 minutes, which feels oh like God. we've been cheated. Um, mm. Andrea? So uh, my guess is the, the, the gimmick there is obviously you see, you see that scene at the start, mm. um, which made us think I'd missed an episode. To, to be, <laughs> and then it says 34 minutes earlier. Um, so I think they've tried to real time it, but I don't know why that real time had to be 34 minutes and not, they could have they could have slapped a few more minutes on there, couldn't they? It's a bit tight. It is, and we'll come back uh, to that. I think because that definitely didn't work for me in terms of real time. Um, okay, yeah. so let, let's let's dig in and see what we thought. Um, so, Andrea, what were the bits that you enjoyed most about this episode? Then let's start with some joyous things. Well, I do think that that shot of Aggie walking down the street in that red dress carrying her shoes um I think that was like I think Freaks directed this week uh, and that felt like a really iconic shot um and yeah it, it's it's buried in a lot of plot silliness and all the rest of it but that like I was like yeah that that's a, that that's some really skillful directing there that like that looks so bloody good um so I, I really like that um I think for me, I think where I struggled a bit more was where I kind of felt at times it was a bit like watching a holodeck episode. Um, yeah. And I'm not a mega fan of holodeck episodes. I know some people adore them, but like they always have that like kind of thing of silliness about them. So I think where it was kind of tempering that because I think the scenes between Picard and Rene, I think they were really well done. So there were some nice bits there. But yeah, it had that holodeck vibe, which I struggled with. Lindsay. So I think what you're alluding to might be the thing that was both phenomenal and atrocious in this episode, <laughs> which is that girl can sing. Like, girl can yes. sing. And that was shot beautifully. And it was that the dress, the voice, like the drama fantastic did it make literally any sense at all no it did not i mean like i know the borg queen is good but unless she suddenly has wi-fi which maybe she does but she hasn't at any other point up until now in the history of star trek 
I don't understand how she was doing it. And even if she did, how did the band know it was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> like, all we needed, like, if it, had, so this is what frustrates me because we've seen, kind of seen things like this before. Like, if it had been Freaks, like, if it had been Riker, he would have, like, started off, he would have sauntered in, there would have been a pause, he would have hopped up on the stage and looked at the band and gone, Indie? Or, like, whatever. Like, there would have been a moment whereby, like, he would have acknowledged that the band needed to know what it was they were going to do. And then they would have done it. Yeah. And then I would have been like, okay, that's fine. Like, it's ridiculous. But I can take, like, I will accept that the Borg Queen can control the lights. <laughs> and, but I don't understand how she managed to psychically get the band on track. Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. Maybe she sent them a text message. I don't know. Because she has Wi-Fi now. Cat. Maybe, maybe they all had earphones or something to hear each other. Because a lot of bands will do that. I don't know if that kind of band does. I don't think so. But yeah, I, I'm with you. As a performer myself, I could completely <laughs> identify with what you were saying. <laughs> I wrote that too. Oh my God. She just gets out there and starts singing this song the band may or may not know. And they jump right in. <laughs> just, and like, was- I guess that like, you know, it might be a standard and the band might know it. But even then, like, there needs to be a bit of like engagement rather than it just all happening magically. Andrea? I, just, I did kind of want someone in the crowd to shout Nightbird, just, just <laughs> the vibes. Um, but it, it felt part of that, like when I mentioned those potholes, like um, nobody noticed to having those one-sided conversations. It's like, why can't they hear them? They're all kind of on this comm system, like chat, like it's just clearly talking to someone else and nobody either nobody's commenting on it because they, they don't want the awkwardness. Well, she hadn't like tapped her secret badge on the inside of her dress. <laughs> so like clearly like she wasn't actually on comms. She was and just, you know. Whatever party you're at, if you see the like, I don't care how good looking they are, you see the woman like having a full on chat with herself, you like give her a wide berth, don't you? It's like, yeah, I don't want to get involved in that. Um, I felt like the Picard slipped away a bit too easily as well when the lights went off. It was like, yeah, I'm sure the security were blocking all of those exits a minute ago, but the lights have gone off now, so they've clearly moved and just said, how that is. Um, so, so there were a couple of me daft kind of, but it was fun, wasn't it? It was fun. You can't deny that it was. Yeah, there were some bits. And I think like this is a challenge because for me, like the stuff between Jurati and the Borg Queen was actually really interesting and really good. Like I quite, I quite like what they're doing there. I like the fact that we... As, as one of our delightful um, contributors is, is pointing out, Jurati's history is not, you know, pure as the driven snow. Um, I'm sure it's Mae West or something that said she was as pure as the driven slush, which I love. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that feels like a Mae West comment. Um, yeah. But, like, I, we're, we're not entirely sure about Jurati. Uh, she certainly has been influenced before. And the Borg Queen we know is capable of all sorts of nonsense, as is proven in the episode. Um, like, and I'm, I like, I'm liking that interplay. I like the way it's been done. But yeah, you're right. Like, why, why did nobody spot this? Like, I love the, and there also there was like a ten foot radius of like empty space around her, <laughs> almost the entire evening. I was well, like, well, that's why, because she was like having a full on chat with herself, and you would be just like, yeah, like, like left turn, Clyde. I'm not getting involved in that. Um, <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> um, and just before we leave, how beautiful many of the shots were, and the fact that Jonathan Frakes as director is always a nice thing to see on an episode. Did anybody else spot the gratuitous cleavage shot? 
Yeah. When, well, both of them. Like, <laughs> there's a moment where, like, they end up, there's like a handhold or something, but it happens at chest height. And oh, just, yeah. And I'm yeah. like, well, why does it happen at chest height? Other than the fact that you can show us both of their, like, it just felt like a, an unnecessary cleavage shot. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not something I associate with Jonathan Frakes. It's not like, um, oh, what's his name? James Bay or, no, that's not the right one. Michael Bay. It's not Michael Bay who insists on filming every woman from, like, her arse. Um, it's, kind, it's kind of Rikery, though, isn't it? Like, it's, it's Riker's gaze, never mind the male gaze. <laughs> I feel like maybe he was channeling uh, Riker in this episode, because, like, you know, there was, there was sort of jazzy, bluesy singing, there was, like, male yeah. gaze. Anyway, um, I just, I think it's worth acknowledging these things. Like, it's, it, it's not bad for it, but that, that shot felt unnecessary. Andrea? So I wasn't sure how I felt about the structure of the episode initially because mm. it was that because I'm thinking we're, so we've got time travel and now we've got the episode back to front um, just to make things that little bit less complicated. Um, but thinking about it, sort of if you'd had Picard on the ground as the cliffhanger, it's not a very good cliffhanger because we know he doesn't die. We know series three's in the can. Um, so th there wasn't a lot of dramatic tension in that. So I can kind of see from a plot point of view where they said, well, let's just deal with this at the start um, and then spend the episode of how we got there. Because actually, if they'd left that at the end, it isn't really an exciting cliffhanger, is it? Because we know he's, we know he's not going to die. Um, and, and they've already kind of killed off, in inverted commas, Elnor. Um, and you've got that time travel angle anyway. So I can see from a structural point of view why they've kind of shown that at the start, rather than leave it to the end, because I think there's not a lot of drama in that, where I was like, how did we get there is maybe a little bit more interesting. Lindsay? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And I think the other thing that I've written down is that they're playing with the genres this season. Like, we seem to be getting quite a lot of quite different episodes. Um, and they're feeling like they're they're trying to kind of... Like, this didn't feel quite so much like Ocean's Eleven or Ocean's Six as the set up did. <laughs> but it's all... It's, it's, it's just... It's interesting. Like, I think... I, I, yeah, yeah. Um, I did write down quite early on in the episode, are we going to get our doctor back? Um, which mm. we did. Cat. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I I just, in contrast to you guys, I really dislike the 30, 20, 15 minutes earlier device. I didn't feel like they needed it unless they thought the beginning of the episode was weak or boring or something. In which case, do some rewriting. I, I don't know. And they kind of did leave uh, Picard on the table, as it were, because he's still in the clinic, as I recall. He shorted out the equipment when he tried to start his okay. <laughs> So, Sarah, I hope you're listening to this, and I hope you will be as frustrated as I was at the kind of nonsense that went on. I was like, right, so clearly he shorted it out because he's got a mechanical heart. But does he have a mechanical heart anymore? And if he does, then how know. did the electrical shock restart it? I'm very yeah. confused. Yeah, me too. Very me too. confused. I'm also very confused. I did write down, oh, it's clearly time for a mind meld uh, before we got a mind meld. Uh, Andrea? Well, I'm slightly concerned about a doctor who can't identify that he's a fucking robot. Like, if she can't work out the dude's a robot, like, I'm not sure. Like, I know it's a free clinic and it's like, you know, but I'm not sure you would get the best treatment in there. Like, that seems like something a doctor would be able to ascertain or at least know that, yeah, he's he's not, like, typically human here. Um, so that was another one of my plot holes that I identified because I think, like, yeah, why is that doctor so baffled by this? Like, 
normal people don't short out electrical equipment. <laughs> Kat, go ahead. Yeah, it's it's bizarre because at the end of last season, I thought they they somehow gave Picard a flesh and bone body because they called him a golem. But I it's so confusing. You're right. I'm just like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so I think, please, people will correct us when we're wrong. This is what happens when Suki's not here, who actually actually researches things. Um, but I, I think what transpired was that he became a like a, a like a synthetic human. So, um, but they are much harder to differentiate because Soji, for example, had lived like an entire life. Like that—that's the whole point of her is that she was undetectable. So it's not like he's a robot. Like Data was a robot. Right. Um, and my own, and I thought originally he went back to being standard flesh and blood when he was in the yeah. new universe, but it, he didn't. It turned out there was a line that I'd missed, which is that he's still a synthetic because he got killed by something. I don't know, probably oh. something that wasn't evil that he was trying to kill. Um, so I think he's synthetic, but I still don't understand why that would make him short out uh, the fibula, yeah. the fibula, yeah, the thing that starts your heart again doesn't start your heart again this thing that sorts out your sinus rhythm anyway uh, so that made me slightly cross also oh he's stuck inside his head we have to go in oh really like i don't feel like that was a very well done version of that trope like that trope is like classic trek but i feel yeah. like it wasn't delivered very well andrea what i am gonna say though is I felt like that scene um, and what appeared to be a sonic screwdriver. Um, yes. Did you think that Walla Brady would make a really good doctor? <laughs> Which is a complete, like, aside from that. But I was looking and thinking, yeah, I can see that. Um, but I was also a bit dubious about that. I'm going to go inside his mind and I'm going to wander around. I can kind of see what's coming here. Um, and it, this is how we're going to deal with the whole thing with his mother and, and all the rest of it, I think. But um... Oh, and, La and Laris, because clearly like she's going to go into his mind and he's going to think that she's Laris and all those... Oh, no. I kind of I feel like that romance is kind of unnecessary. Like, I feel like it's like, oh, we need a romance for Picard, so we're doing this weird thing with his cleaner. Um, <laughs> not that she was just his cleaner, but, like, you know... So shades of love, actually, really, hasn't it? <laughs> Except for without the language barrier or no fact that no, the age difference is distressing. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I'm clearly hysterical this evening. So yes, that that I didn't love that. Um, however, there were some other good things in there. I really enjoyed Brent Spiner in this episode. I thought he played it well, and. I got really excited about the fact that they were showing that in the 24th century, money is everything, like money is power. Like this idea that he'd bought himself a seat on the board and he was just going to walk up and be like, you know what, I'd really like you to take her off the flight and he was going to get what he asked for. But clearly that didn't work because he then ends up driving a car at her, which was also interesting, but, you know, didn't have the same kind of moral kind of feel to it. Uh, as I thought we might get. Andrea, is that a hand? It is, yeah. It's a, it's a half hand. It's half a hand. hand. What would your half hand like to say? I've been drinking on a Sunday night hand. Um, <laughs> so I think one of the things was <clears throat> did the, he did the whole like Bond villain information dump, um, 
which you know is always a bit of fun like I want to tell you all of my plans and like exactly why I'm here when he actually didn't need to say anything um and apparently he's meant to be a clever bloke so I don't know why you would divulge all of that unnecessarily um but you can see Brent's having the time of his life playing the like the bad guy isn't he and it, it's quite nice to be able to sort of boo and hiss at him and we haven't been able to do that since law probably so so that's quite fun um I think the other thing is, I think they've gone down that route of Corey is is a genetic project, isn't she? And is desperate. Initially, it was played as it's the desperation of a father, which you can empathise with. Whereas now you're kind of thinking he just wants to keep his work going. It's like I don't think he really gives a shit about this girl, um, which makes him a bit more of a two D villain, which. I don't think you often get now. I think it, it tend, they tend to go down the route of the sympathetic villain, and I would rather he was just a shit house. I, I would enjoy that more. I think, Lindsay. I think so. It's interesting because what we found out in this episode was that uh, Corey is shock horror, not a, a natural daughter to. to uh, I was about to call him Lore. What's his name? Sung. Um, just Sung. Um. But I was like, but you cast Isa Briones, so we've kind of known that from. Or at least I, I kind of assumed straight from the start that she was some form of synthetic because that's why they'd cast Isa Briones to play her. Like in the same yeah. Yeah, it was it was interesting. I think I think she played that scene really well, like the whole bit where she started unpicking it all and started like properly understanding what had happened. Um and they did that relatively well, relatively quickly. But yeah, I'm just not surprised. Shock horror. He's a bad guy. He's into genetic engineering. I'll be more interested if they manage to like lead that into something that we know, like the eugenics war, which has already been retimed once. <laughs> something yeah. like that. Like, I think it would be more interesting if we saw that evolve into something that we know has lasting consequences. Uh, cats. Uh, so. Uh... Mad Father Soong says the why of things matters. So, like, why did he leave his lab open for his daughter, version 31, to <laughs> explore it? Like, <laughs> I don't get that. Like, why would he do that? He wanted to keep her identity a secret from her, didn't he? And all of a sudden, he just, like, yeah. But like that, that's mad genius is that kind of expectation that nobody would dare do something that they've been told they could, shouldn't do so she's obviously been told she shouldn't ever leave that room like, yeah you know, because you know she'll burn up and die or whatever um from her mysterious condition that makes no logical sense but might if she's a clone or whatever so makes more sense andrea so I think one of the things that I sort of noted in earlier episodes is there's that sort of statuey thing of Adam Sung in the Confederacy, mm. um, and I'd kind of assumed that was a that this was going to tie into this eugenic storyline. Um, but what I did read, um, I was kind of looking at other people's thoughts on it, is that what it probably is. You know, we, the drones we complained about that like yes. made the light, yeah, that um, that that was kind of over the entire Earth in the the bad future um so oh, maybe yeah. that's his contribution um so yeah i was expecting so i wonder if the, the whole like eugenics thread is a bit of a a bit of an aside um and a bit more of a red herring and it's not really it's not going to be a big thing um yeah i think there there are quite a lot of red herrings going on here aren't there and we're not quite sure what is is going to turn out to be 
of 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 import and what's not. And I know that there was some chat last week about whether uh, Rene Picard was actually going to be the crux of everything because they're still painting her as the crux of everything, which brings us on to the next plot point where I also had quite a lot of issues. The scene between Jean-Luc and Rene was sort of lovely, but also yeah. like I feel like they're not handling this issue of somebody with anxiety and or depression. I just don't feel like they're handling it all that well. Like, and I, I'm not qualified to speak on it. Like, I, I don't have a diagnosis, and I'm not a professional at all. But to me, it just feels like we're teetering on the whole. Well, if only you have confidence, if only you see the light at the end of the tunnel and just follow it, it'll all be fine. And like, I think we we should know now that clinical depression is not like that, and, and or it's not as simple as that. And obviously, talking therapies and being able to have coping strategies are, are deeply important, but they're not enough and they're certainly not enough for an instant fix that would make somebody fit to go out and do what is undeniably a deeply stressful job that is also incredibly um, important and, and critical to those around them that they're able to then complete. Um, but that is just my feeling on it. If anybody else has thoughts, even if they disagree strongly, uh, please do share them. Kat. Yeah, um, as as a depressive, I did like his words to her, but you have a very valid point. You can't just think your way out. You can't just, you know, cheer somebody out of it. Um, but I do like that they're depicting someone struggling with uh, depression or bipolar. I'm not really sure what it is that she has because she refers to cycling down or cycling in some way. That's usually a term that um, bipolar people use, and uh, I can tell when it's happening to me. So, um, yeah, I I loved when he was speaking to her, and I thought, wouldn't we all love a counselor like him? Like, oh, you would. Fatherly, you know. To be fair, I would also quite like a counselor like John Delancey. I wouldn't necessarily follow his advice, but I would I would quite oh, like no, John Delancey no. to talk to me on a regular basis. I was talking about Jean-Luc, but never mind. <laughs> oh, no, 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 absolutely Jean-Luc, but I would also happily sit and listen to John Delancey for hours at a time. Andrea? I think there would be, I think there would be a breach of a lot of rules if that was my, my therapist, <laughs> to be honest. Um, <laughs> but I'm willing to give it a go. I'll take one for the team. Um, I think just as a little, like, because I, I always like to come up with these little things, just in that scene, um, the shuttle spike, um, yes. is seen in the opening credits of Enterprise um, and it was previously unnamed so there's our little bit of uh, cannon fodder for everyone this week um, and there's a couple of other there's a couple of TOS snippets that I noticed as well um, okay. but um, yeah so so that shuttle has, has finally got a some sort of place uh, and a little bit of an explanation and a name and things um, can I just say that I've just remembered that we forgot something fundamentally huge that we should have covered in news. What have we forgotten? Um, the the thing that it's almost impossible to avoid about season three of Picard. Oh, God. yeah. Uh, I thought we talked about that. Was that only happened this week? I thought I we talked know. last week. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think we did. That were lots of people. I don't think we did. Maybe we did. I don't think we did. I don't think it happened last week. Did it not happen on first contact day, which was Monday? 
I don't know. I feel like I've talked about the said thing with lots and lots of people. Um. Okay, well, this is your spoiler warning. If you are trying to avoid finding out about Picard season three, uh, fast forward a number of undetermined seconds um, and we'll have stopped from talking about it. But, right, can we just talk about the fact that Paramount cannot keep any secrets? It is worse than the BBC. It has shared so much of this and I'm very excited about it because mm. all the people that we've been like, where are these people? Turns out we're going to be in season three. <laughs> but still, well, if we I'll only get them that. as voiceovers in one episode, we're going to be very disappointed now because they've given us this huge build-up. Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I think I've really kind of invested, particularly this season, in that newer cast. Um, and there's quite a few bits I was coming to just around those sort of little character notes or, or, or things or, on characters like Rafi and Rios and stuff. And I'm thinking, if you're going to flood season three with pretty much the entire next generation cast where does it leave those guys because i feel like at some point i think they were definitely kind of like rios is clearly starting to like 21st century life and he's like talking and and he's he's clearly got his eye on this doctor and stuff like that i wonder if they're setting up um aggie borg to um go on a jealous rampage there at some point um but so i'm i'm thinking I don't want this to be at the expense of characters I've, I've now bought, but I do want to see them. I want to see Worf. I want to see George. I, of course I do, um, from a point of view of a fan, but it does kind of worry us in a 10-episode run. I, I don't want these guys to be sidelined. And I think that feeds very much into like some of the chat that we were having about some of the struggles with Discovery, which is that they had this huge, sprawling cast now that they've like they've made us care about. Um, there's, there's a cast of 10s, um, where we're constantly trying to keep track of like all of these different characters now. Um, whereas we, one of the things that we thought was easier with Picard is that there was a much smaller collection of characters that we were invested in, which makes it easier to write a kind of consistent arc where everybody's getting their place. Um, so yeah, I, I am slightly concerned. And I'm also slightly concerned that we're only going to get them in like the odd episode. So like we'll maybe see them in the finale or something. Um, and we're going to spend the entire series being like, but where are they? But where are they? But where are they? Um, it's like waiting for Jason Isaacs in Discovery Season 2. <laughs> oh my yeah. God, don't get me started. <laughs> where is Prime Lorca? Yeah. It's your world. It's coming, I'm honestly. <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't be surprised at all if Strange New Worlds do manage to find him. I think that would be quite interesting. Anyway, Kat, oh, sorry. I hope they do. I hope they do find Lorca in Strange New Worlds. Anyway, um, yeah, I, my hope is that <clears throat> they'll do a show, uh, you know, uh, Star Trek uh, La Serena or something, uh, Star Trek Stargazer uh, with uh, the new cast. And uh, I guess they're going to say goodbye to Jean-Luc with the cast of Next Generation. I, I'm wondering how they're going to work that out, but it is so strange that they announced it so soon because now there's no suspense. Will Picard survive season two? Well, I guess he does. <laughs> well, we, we, we kind of knew we were going to get Picard season three and I think they finished filming it. So I think like yeah. it's, it's, always, it's always hard, but yeah, I think they could have definitely kept some of that under wraps for longer. Um, yeah. Just, just on the Picard without Picard comment, um, somebody was talking about, so they've, they've had a tattoo artist at Mission Chicago, which seems to have been doing roaring trades, which I find quite interesting, because I would have thought that that's something that you would have probably wanted to think about and plan, rather than be like, oh wow, they've got a tattoo artist, let me book in. 
some people appear to have just captured the moment and gone and done the thing and this, the, the work seems to be fantastic um, but in a thread about that I saw somebody who the face of Taggart tattooed on their shoulder and there was just all these murder there's been another murder joke which I was like and I was like why was I talking to somebody about Taggart recently and there's been another murder um, and then I realised it was about Taggart without Taggart in the same way that we may or may not get Picard without Picard. Um, so proof lives that you can have a show where the title disappears um, or the title character disappears and you can continue to call it that. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're right. If anything, it makes me more more convinced that there's going to be a spin-off or a continuation. Because I think... Just for the benefit of our non-UK listeners, um, Taggart is a gritty Glaswegian crime drama where the main detective was called Taggart and then Taggart died and they kept on making a show called Taggart with other people <laughs> for, yes. a, for longer than Taggart was in Taggart. And of so, all the people who you would expect, like, it's kind of like Colombo but Glaswegian, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Like, it's that kind of face that this guy has got, like, tattooed on his shoulder. It's, and it's, oh, it's beautifully God. done. It's very, it's like, it's a beautiful tattoo. Um, <clears throat> however, I'll try and see if I can find the thread and I'll retweet it just for the comedy value. Um, but yes, sorry. <laughs> that was a bit of a strange sidetrack. So we were talking about, so... Um, we, were we were discussing um, Picard and Picard. Um, even even if we take away like there's bits like oh she's rubbing her ear therefore she's obviously going into a depressive spiral yeah. like, like I know yeah. that these things like I know that these there are signs and symptoms for these things and people will recognize <laughs> them in themselves and recognize them in other people but playing with your earlobe is not one of those yeah I shouldn't think so I, I know that's that's not what I always do <laughs> it's a really <laughs> gradual thing but she may be a rapid cycling uh, bipolar person. I don't know. It, it was just kind of, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. On a point, I don't know, though, I've also written that Seven's dress is also epic because we spent a lot of time talking about Jurati's episode dress in oh the last episode, God. which is fabulous. Like, you know, and yeah. she looks phenomenal in it and the lipstick was also still on point. Um, oh, but yeah. Seven's dress was also very nice. I thought they'd done that. Um, I was less convinced by Rafi's, but maybe that's just a personal taste issue. Yeah, yeah. Gold, gold and sparkly is not really my thing. <clears throat> yeah. That's yeah, just me. Um, excellent. Right. I feel like we've got to that point whereby we are ready to ask, do you have anything else, Andrea? Of course. <laughs> um, so just those little character notes. Um, mm. It's just that little scene where Rafi um, kind of looks at the drink and asks for a club soda, um, which was just a, a very subtle little little allusion to, to some of the issues she's had and, and that she's probably in a better place than she was um, a season ago, um, which I thought was a, a good little touch. Mm -hmm. um, me little TOS um, references and um, the Nomad Probe. Was it also in the background? Um, I mentioned a couple of episodes ago, there was, there was the, the Jackson Roykirk Plaza, um, which refers to the Changeling, and that was the, the probe that went up. Um, and I also felt that the um, saving someone from being hit by the car felt a bit city on the edge of forever. Um, and preventing someone from being run over was obviously had quite significant consequences and, and somebody was supposed to die um uh, and i don't think that's probably a, a major major plot point that we should be picking up on but it just felt like a nice little 
little parallel to that story. So I quite like that. Um, what other nonsense have I written? Um, I felt like the cast had a lot of fun dressing up for the party. Um, so they, they kind of took us along for the ride. We haven't talked about Rios in a dinner jacket. Like Rios in a tux is a delightful Rios. Yes, it, I, I did quite enjoy that for, for reasons. Um <laughs> He's a very attractive man in a very attractive outfit. We've we spent a lot of time discussing how lovely the dresses were. Like that was a very nice tuxedo. Rios uh, is delightful no matter what he's wearing. So you know, <laughs> true facts. Mm. I, I similarly similarly have questions about the title because two of one makes more sense to me because obviously that's Aggie and the Ball Queen. So there's two, but there's only one. Um, whereas two for one. I don't know, it just sounds like, like a discount at a shop. Um, I'm not sure. But I am right in that it is being reported differently in different places. I'm sure I've seen, I, I thought the episode was called Two of One. Which I, I thought was, so too, but I keep seeing Two for One in all sorts of places. So I don't know whether people have just misinterpreted it or... Maybe it's maybe they're like a bog-off deal, aren't they? Like, <laughs> buy an Aggie... Get the ball queen free. I, I don't know. I don't know that that's a deal anybody would actively choose, but maybe that's a reference to the fact that she hasn't told anybody that she's got a passenger. And it's interesting that we saw this week that that was a more active choice than we perhaps thought was happening last time, where it felt like the queen had done a thing to her. Whereas this time round, it was clearly like, no, I couldn't. I couldn't actually get rid of our way home, which again brings Gerati into the slightly grey area of moral ju dubiousness. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, um, and the other thing is, um, I think it is a fair point to say that people who normally claim to be the good guys usually aren't. I could see that one. So um, he's like, we're the good guys. And she's like, yeah, people who are good guys don't say that. Um, but I'm thinking, but they really are. Or are they? Are they making things worse? Um, is that a little time travel hint, for you? you know? Later, but um, I think that's um, I think that's my notes expired. Excellent, Cat. Do you have any other pearls of wisdom for us? Or oh, pearls of pearls of confusion, maybe. Like what? What the hell is up with Q? I'm still trying to understand. Is the Q that we saw in the first episode? the same cue that we see in in these episodes because it's like the cue in the first episode is regretful and pissed off and the cue that we see in these episodes is stirring up trouble so i'm confused about like i thought he only occupied one space and one time but i guess he can be duplicated uh, god help us if no we can. Well, I, I had I had a thought about this because because you're right. We we we've been chatting as well about like is it the same queue? Is it a queue from earlier? Is it a queue from later? How do we really know? Um, I wondered if the queue in the future has actually had to live out the time between where he is now yeah. and when he meets Picard, because yeah. that would be a hell of a wait and would explain why he was quite so royally pissed off. Like even yeah. even for somebody who has unlimited time on their hands, if you've had yeah. to kick your heels, particularly if well, we don't know how extensive his loss of power is, whether it's purely to do with Rene Picard or whether it's broader. Um, but that would be a long wait. It would. There wouldn't even be any Star Trek for him to watch. <laughs> anyway, 
but yeah, you're right. I, meh, we don't really know <clears throat> is the answer. Yeah. I, I just, I have some problems sometimes with um, modern, modern Trek in that um, Akiva Goldsman is one of the main uh, movers and shakers on the show. And this is sort of off topic, I know, but it, it wouldn't surprise me if he's the reason we've returned to the Borg because the Borg are popular and people like the Borg. So let's do that. He, he does a lot of things like that, you know, um, in Star Trek Into Darkness, they made John Harrison into Khan because Khan is popular. People like Khan. Let's do that. So, um, yeah, even on Strange New Worlds, we have to have some cons because otherwise people might not watch. I don't know. Well, unfortunately, the... the truth is that some degree of popularity is required. But yes, there is a fine mm-hmm. line to be drawn, and revisiting the same wells does not always end well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, other than that, I, I did have a comment as to a little Easter egg that I may have spotted. I've watched that Gary Seven episode of uh, TOS a number of times, and it looked like the rocket that was going up is the same one that was going up in the uh, in the uh, episode when Gary Seven appears, whose name escapes me right now. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's interesting. That is interesting. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Talyn to turn into a black cat, though. I want to see her as a cat. I feel like I need to go and watch this episode, which I have never seen. What's it, is, the, what, is the cat called? Is it Isis, the cat? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. That's the name of the first cat I ever got because because of that, that, that episode. What is the name of it? Well, it's sorry. Assign, assignment Earth, the episode, isn't it? Pardon? The, the episode, is it Assignment Earth? That's the Gary Seven yes, episode. Yes, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Fabulous. Okay. Well, I have a couple of additional thoughts. Shock horror. Um. <laughs> so when Aggie is uh handcuffed to the chair and she has to let the Borg Queen in to like help her, how does how does the Borg Queen in your brain suddenly give you super strength? Yeah. <laughs> I don't really understand that. Uh, yeah. So that was a question. Um. I have written open card, and I don't really know why. <laughs> But at various points, I was just like, oh, Picard, oh, bless. So somewhere between oh and frustrated oh, because uh, <laughs> he was a bit frustrating in this episode. He was, he was a bit of a mope in this episode. Like, the combination of like, yeah, I'm, I'm not loving him pining after Laris slash sort of flirting with the person who looks like Laris and sort of longingly looking at this. It's all just a bit weird and not loving, not loving that. Um, I did love the moment whereby he's like, she's like obsessively looking at her phone, and, and um, Talon's like, yeah, we all do that. That's <laughs> what we do. Like, you know, yes. she's got her phone glued to her hand. That is not a sign of anything. It is just what we do. Um, I was quite intrigued about, like, does did Picard does Picard already know about this relative? Like, we might. I don't know if that's been mentioned, but I wonder. Like if, if Picard doesn't have a memory or an, doesn't have knowledge that this particular relative did this particular thing, I wonder if she's not supposed to. Hmm. If that makes sense. I have a feeling it was mentioned that he had like a 
some sort of great 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 aunt or whatever who, who kind of went off into space but do we know who's this great aunt maybe it's her daughter maybe like you know i just i wonder if yeah because again it's always about that the butterfly effect or that they're pushing really hard to make something happen but maybe it's not supposed to happen because you know time is funny like that as jane would say um, oh, that was another thing that came up at the convention. Kate will grew, who enjoys, seems to enjoy playing people quite a lot. <laughs> it was asked if Jane, if Admiral Jane would appear in the last season of Picard. And she went, well, you'll have to watch to see if she finds her way to the vineyard. <laughs> Which some people have been like, yeah, but she said it as though, like, she really was going to be there. It's like, mm, I think Kate will just quite likes playing people. Like, as much as I would love to see a live action Janeway. I'm not, like, I, and again, I'm not sure that that's where I would choose to see her. But you never mm. know. Maybe she'll. For many years, I've been saying I want Beverly Crusher and Deanna Troy and Catherine Janeway drinking Picard's wine and generally mocking him soundly. I thought that would be quite a good episode. Like just sitting, <laughs> sitting on the porch of the, his vineyard, drinking his wine and generally teasing him. I think I would watch yeah. the hell out of that. That would be great. Um, yes. Um, other things I have highlighted. Um, so if this thing has created an artificial human being like he hasn't quite succeeded but he's got pretty close then future song getting settling with an android seems slightly strange because it's an android and maybe that's maybe my maybe my understanding of borg is a borg lore of data lore not data lore data lore um <laughs> it's where this falls down but like was soon in the 23rd century not trying to create an android that was passable as a human like well it's, it's, it could be that this soon didn't succeed at all that you know because yeah. he's a, a bad guy his plans are foiled in the end and uh it's, the, it's come pretty close follow- though you know, it wouldn't take that much work mm. yeah anyway why did they all have to be named soon wasn't there someone else in the family that had a different name anyway <laughs> Because then we wouldn't know in the same way that if they weren't played by the same actor, we wouldn't know it was their relative. See, right. see 20th century Janeway. Um, yeah. Ate yeah. that episode so much. Andrea. Um, there was a, a glorious tweet where someone had, had gone off of why do all the like males in the Sung family all look the same? And Brent Spiner had responded, because I played all the parts. <laughs> was, uh, oh, yeah. Fair. I think that's entirely fair. Like that's that's exactly why they all look the same. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, Ken Mitchell played several parts, and none of those looked the same. So if they had tried, if they had only made some of the things cling on or something, they could have done a thing. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have got unexplained coma in giant letters, um, and followed that up with "Where's a Vulcan when you need one?" Brackets or a Romulan. Um, Right. So like it just like, that all just feels really weird. I know we've spoken about it, but like she's not a Romulan, but she is a Romulan in the future, maybe or not. And uh, oh, but I've got a special interface that means that I can just have a mind meld, and mind melds never go wrong. Oh yeah, funny eyes. Um, so cat. so I watch the episode with um, subtitles. I watch everything with subtitles these days, being old. Um, and it says she mutters in Romulan. 
And I'm like, so why would Tallinn know Romulan? Well, those Gary Seven people are very widely traveled, or I didn't get that. I was trying to figure that out. Well, they also, like, her hairstyles at various points feel like they've been designed to cover her ears, which are totally normal looking. Like, she just, like, like her hair was pulled back very specifically, and it just, like, I was like, I just want to tuck it behind her ears. Like, it felt like they were masking the top of her ears, despite the fact that her her ears look human. Maybe she's got, like, special, she, maybe she's got, like, little ear shields. <laughs> little ear cloaks. Yeah. Or, tiny, you know, tiny point cloaks, yeah. <laughs> Or maybe they've just surgically changed her ears. Or maybe she's not Romulan. I don't know. Oh. Um, who knows? I don't even understand if she's from the future or the current time. I don't understand. However, it'll be fine. Um, and also, there was a quote about um, if Picard doesn't wake up, they haven't got anybody who knows anything about Q, which is demonstrably not true. Because Seven spent a shed ton of time on Voyager when Q was kicking around being a pain in the neck. She is also demonstrated at various points in the past that she has the knowledge of well maybe it's degraded over time but she used to have an extensive knowledge that she retained from when she was part of the Borg Collective so would also have knowledge from there now like I feel like they're just kind of ignoring that because it's not useful for the plot but maybe that's just me Andrea I was just going to say though in this kind of iteration Q was only communicating with Picard yeah, so absolutely. No, nobody else has seen him or spoken to him, so I can kind of understand. Except for some. Like, he's like that only link to him, which is convenient because Seven would know who he is. She would recognise him and she would know who he was and what he's about. But So, because at one point I was like, maybe he's a figment of Picard's imagination or something. but Or maybe he, like, he's telepathically appearing. But obviously he's not because René Picard sees him and mm. Talon sees him in the recordings and have they not all seen the recordings now did they not look at the recordings of the adam sung's obviously seen him yeah yeah so i think he he is definitely there in corporeal but yes he has definitely been dealing primarily with picard so i do get that picard is like their point of contact with him and picard's relationship with q is very different but you can't just say things like nobody knows anything about him because it's not true um, and I'm going to come down on you like some kind of dweeb, apparently. <laughs> Fabulous. Any final thoughts? Mm. Okay, let us have a look at what our lovely listeners have had to say. Listeners! So now for some listener feedback. Uh, Andrea, are you happy to start with the lovely Jack? I am. So um, so this is a review of this week. Um, so usually when titles end with the words directed by Jonathan Frakes, you're in very safe hands. We were here, but the results were far more Trek insurre- Star Trek insurrection than Star Trek first con- contact. The gala story felt at first like a level in one of the Hitman games. I love the Hitman games, and I love when we get sne- we get sneaky James Bond. But I don't think anything of significance happened. You got a possible inadvertent reference to the spaceship Enterprise from the opening credits to Enterprise, and how Rene Picard's nickname for it is the original nickname for Trip Tucker. <laughs> um, is that true? From- That's terrifying. <laughs> apart from that. 
and what happens to Admiral Picard at the end slash beginning, this overall felt kind of a filler episode to pad out season to a full 10 episodes. I agree with what you said last time, with these episodes being shown weekly, despite having very different chapters for an intended viewing order, it could be much more satisfying if they let us watch one chapter at a time. As it stands, we get episodes where virtually nothing happens, like this week, where the more satisfying happening is a cliffhanger. I'm giving the episode two lights out of five, with the asterisk to say that it will likely raise to a three or four when watched with the rest of the mid-season. Looking forward to episode seven more. Then again, after a great week in America, which was delayed over two years by the pandemic, seeing a few all-time great and one a bit crap WWE shows, then coming home to the news that Picard season three will basically be TNG season eight, maybe I'm asking way too much to ask Picard, do you mind just being perfect this week? Thank you, Jack. (laughs) Kat? Um, I have Dave from Doctor Who show at David Kitchen. Firstly, thank you to Suki for dropping in my comments after I missed that the homework deadline had changed last week. This episode was the best of Star Trek Picard and the worst of Star Trek Picard. Some of those scenes with Brent Spiner were in turn chilling and electrifying, whereas other scenes were quite dull. And Jurati's song, complete with ready-made spotlights and a band who knew exactly what to play, was cringeworthy. I'm sure this will be divisive. I'm simultaneously desperately interested in how this season's story comes together and more and more terrified that they're not going to bring all the disparate plot threads home. Um, And there's a little bit more, sorry. Um, I noticed a lot of poor Agnes comments last week. I remind everyone that she's a murderer who hasn't yet paid a price for her crime. Okay. Following the rules of drama, she therefore has a punishment from the universe coming. Dun, dun, dun. Um, Question. Was the shuttle Rene Picard was so excited about the one from the Enterprise opening titles? You got that, Lindsay, right? Um, Enjoying it, but the weakest of this season so far for me. 2.2 2.2 lights. Ooh, 2.2. Um, I have uh, a comment from Tom Turlow. Um, a bit of a strange one, this. Very short and a bit odd, with what with briefly flirting with being a musical. I fear the series is running out of steam a bit, with various subplots, various subplots I don't really care about. The central idea of having to come back in time was exciting, but the subsequent plot developments aren't that engaging. Who cares about Picard's British-French ancestor? Who cares about Dr. Soong and his clone daughter? I presume the next episode will mostly take place in Picard's brain, which seems like another unnecessary detour. Picard himself seems rather pathetic and doddery. I know Patrick Stewart is no spring chicken, but Picard doesn't act like he did in TNG. I'm hoping the show regains some momentum in the next few weeks. The series started strongly, but has lost its way a bit in recent episodes. Two and a half lights out of five. And then, P.S., I'd like to see a lot more of Q. I think we can probably all agree on that. More John Delancey for everybody, please. Yes, please. (laughs) Just not with that crappy German accent, please. What the heck? (laughs) I don't know. It was was chunky, but delightful. Uh, Andrea. Um, so I've got Funnest Frontier podcast who says, I loved this episode. That's my kind of review. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Go ahead, Kat. 
Oh, well, this one is kind of weird. It's from pics of Star Trek behind the scenes, I guess. And uh, he says, no thoughts only. And then he has a, an attachment that's from Lors Borg lore blog. Hell yeah, love seeing Teslas in TV shows. And it, it shows screenshots of the Tesla bearing down on Rene Picard and, and Picard getting in front of it and getting hit. So... Well, is that a comment on Tesla's? Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know either. Maybe <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, even more controversial now than perhaps when it was filmed. Um, yeah. So I have a comment from the mighty Bob Fleming. Hello, Bob. Um, just awesome again. Action, emotion, plot, great cast, looks ace. Loving being back in time. Loving the being back in time thing. Borg Queen, Aggie, and Red big heart eyes emoji i love that they've made her an unwilling baddie again it works because of her cutesy geeky innocence you can't quite believe it five lights bob you love a five light review you really do <laughs> happy bob uh, i've got um our deb who says i really wasn't sure what to say about this episode so i looked at a few review sites to give me a nudge my conclusion is that, with all the subtle references to past Trek and comics, the writers are complete nerds, and I love them for it. There are problems with the episode, but there is something really magical about Picard. Alison Pill's subtle acting when Queenie has had an influence over her is superb. So easy to become pant or villain, but she plays it so we know what's going on, but the crew don't. Although holding a conversation with herself in the ballroom was a bit less subtle. The singing was weird and unnecessary, and not very good. I think if we did karaoke in the middle of a posh do, we would get less of a positive response from the band, even with a red dress. Although that scene might improve if the mood lights came up. I was on stage with my best fleece on. Silence as people looked in awe and surprise. I break into song, Star Trek and Across the Universe. That would get a four ready on that ship. Please, if Kat reads this, explain a lower law after the pod. Um... I will. Um, looks like Brenty Soong has been well dodgy. If Corey is synthetic, then why is he talking about genetics? I think he'll turn out to be a good guy in the end. I mean, who hasn't driven a Tesla with an astronaut on a bad night? It's, har it's harsh three Cuban cigars out of five. Would be a 3.5 if Dr. Agnes had sang Star Trek. In. There is a lot I'm really loving about the series, but still miffed at the lack of Jason Isaac clones in and I really think that the next episodes will be turning the light levels up to 11. Hi to Kat, no, no red shirt comments. Love, Deb. <laughs> Thank you, Deb, for both your restraint and your comments. Um, right, so it's time for us to give our sparkling iridescent light out of five. How many lights you see? There are four lights! I asked how many lights you see. Andrea, shall I start us I'm struggling a bit because I've scored this season really high and this episode wasn't as good as some of the others, but it was still quite good. And if it had sat in a season of something else, um, I'm still going to give it a four. I enjoyed wow. it. Wow, okay. Like, there's a lot, you can always pick plot holes and sometimes the weeks when I'm extra picky, I still end up giving it a decent, like... A decent, yeah, I, I'm I'm sticking with me four because I, I think it fits it fits with everything else, and I was still happy at the end of it. So four. Good. Well, I'm I'm glad you're enjoying. Cat. Uh, um. 
Well, you know, I, I still want to know how they got Picard to the clinic. Did they take an Uber? Um, anyway, I I think I'm going to give it like two lights out of five. There were things I loved and things I just was like, what? So, yeah, two lights out of five. That is perfectly acceptable. I'm going to go with three, I think. But at least one of those are because... I'm going to shock her, disagree with Deb, and say that I thought the song was quite good. Like, I think it was completely unnecessary and out of place, but I think she can sing, um, and I enjoyed that. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go with three. Um, so thank you all for listening. Thank you for feeding back if you fed back. If you didn't, shame on you. Uh, not at all. Um, thank you for listening in any case. Um, and we will be back next week with another exciting review of another hopefully exciting episode of Star Trek Picard. But before we go, um, you know how to find us, because we're in the same place as we always are. But Kat, if somebody would like to find you in the wide world of social media, where is the best place to do that? Um, on Twitter, I am blue cat at Maria Maya uh, on Twitter. So it's uh, blue cat, B-L-U-E-K-A-T at m-a-r-j-a-m-a-y-a perfect thank you very much um and with that it is adieu so long farewell goodbye <laughs> adieu bye. adieu to you and you <laughs> bye bye, bye. Once upon a time, there was a queen. She could feel danger in her bones. But that's what happens when you live in a world where monsters are real. This should allow me into his mind. You sure that'll work? Not in the slightest. How long before she's strong enough to assimilate others? We're supposed to save the future, but we might have just doomed it. I am not a man who needs a legacy. I think back on those days on the Enterprise and all that danger we rushed into. Those were the days. Evolution is not an act of preservation. It's addition. It is clear. Sacrifice is required again. Jean-Luc, when the galaxy comes calling, you love it. Aren't we a little overdue for a good old-fashioned road trip? I promise you will not be alone. Ready. As ever. <laughs> <laughs>